when it comes to spiritual understanding, without the help of the Holy Spirit, you and I are a lot like Christopher Columbus. He didn't know where he was going when he set out, had no idea where he was when he got there, and he didn't know where he had been when he returned. Have you ever tried to share something you learned from the Bible with someone who is not a believer? And then have them look at you like you were from another country or another world? Ever picked up the Bible yourself and read a passage that completely baffled you? Left you scratching your head in uh, confusion as if you were reading something written in a foreign language? Have you ever thought that it would be nice if you had an interpreter at your beck and call? In his excellent book, Point Man, author Steve Farrar relates this classic story told by one of his favorite seminary professors by the name of David Roper. And it hits all too close to home for many of us. He said, a number of years ago, I was with my family at a conference center. Carolyn and I were seated in the lodge waiting for dinner to be served. And right behind the lodge was an embankment which recently had been seeded with grass seed. And there were signs posted all over the place which said, keep off the bank. And two of our sons, he said, were, who were quite young then, were playing on the top of that embankment. Suddenly, the director of the conference, who was seated right next to us, jumped to his feet and he started waving his hands and shouting, stay off the bank. And he ran out the door. And to my horror, as I looked out the window, there was one of our boys poised at the top of the bank. Just waiting there. The director was shouting, get off, get off the bank. But down the bank, the boy slid on purpose right into the director's arms. And the director shook him and said, son, didn't you hear me say, stay off the bank? And of course, I was mortified because it was my son. I took him around the building, got out the little switch and worked him over a little bit. I kept saying, son, didn't you hear the man say, stay off the bank? And as we were walking back, he looked up at me with these tear-stained eyes and he said, Daddy, what's a bank? That little guy had a rough experience. Why? Because he didn't understand something that was so obvious to everyone else. Obviously, Dave felt terrible when he understood the problem there. And Dave knew what a bank was. The conference director knew what a bank was. But his little boy didn't have a clue what a bank was. Now, quite obviously, there are numerous meanings for the word bank. Think about it. You've probably rolled down a bank yourself when you were a kid. You cash checks at a bank as an adult. You drive your car around a banked curve, maybe even sunk a few solids and stripes with bank shots. If you've ever flown, I'm sure you felt your stomach tighten as the plane banks to the right or to the left at takeoff and felt better as the guy next to you assures you that you can bank on the pilot's sobriety that day as he flies the plane. The point is that without someone to help that boy understand exactly what the man meant by bank, the poor little guy didn't know what to do. He needed a helper. He needed someone to unravel the message, to reveal its meaning, to interpret the words, to open his eyes. Only then could he respond in the correct way. 
in the Christian life, you and I need the same exact thing. God has something to say to each one of us concerning our course of action in any given situation that we encounter in life. I believe that he has purposes for our lives, things that he wants us to do that are unique for each one of us. And the problem is that sometimes it's beyond our human ability to comprehend. Therefore, we seldom see it. The prophet Isaiah, speaking for God, outlined a bit of that truth to us when he said these words. He wrote these words down. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That means that we need precisely what that young boy in the, in the previous story I just told needed. And what's that? Someone to unravel the Father's wisdom. Someone who will reveal God's plan to us, interpret his truth for us, and open our eyes to it. God has given us that person, the Holy Spirit. We have that. Remember what we discovered last week in John chapter 16 and verse 13 about the Spirit's function? That he is a voice of direction in our lives? John 16, verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He'll glorify me, for he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Holy Spirit's our guide. We talked about that last week. He alone shows us the way into the truth. Now, last time, I asked you a few rhetorical questions. Have you ever taken that, taken that truth at face value as a believer? Have you taken it at face value? And what does it mean to you? Is what Jesus is talking about simply limited to the truths of Scripture alone? Does it mean that he'll teach us the truth about every subject on the face of the earth? Now, I personally believe that Jesus was specifically referring to something here unique to the far-reaching truth about himself, his teachings, his predictions, his promises, and most importantly, his approaching death, burial, and resurrection as it refers to our salvation. In other words, the entire rest of the New Testament is the fulfillment of the ministry of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was talking about here. It's a fulfillment of what Jesus promised in John chapter 14 in verse 26 when he said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. But I also believe on top of that, that the Holy Spirit's ministry goes far beyond that to us. When Jesus said that the Spirit would guide us into all the truth, I don't believe that he meant that he would reveal everything there is to know to us. Because obviously some things he has chosen not to reveal to us. Read Deuteronomy 29, 29 this week. And Acts chapter 1, verse 7. He reserves some things for himself. But rather, I think Jesus meant that he guides us into the fullness of the truth, the full counsel of God concerning decisions that we all have to make in our lives. He guides us into the truth 
of God's will for our lives. The truth about the people that we have to deal with. The truth about the scriptures and how they apply to every single situation that we encounter. The Holy Spirit's ministry is to disclose truth, not hide it. Is that right? Let me say it again. The Holy Spirit's ministry is to disclose the truth, not to hide it. So why in the world do we operate as if his direction is some kind of mystery? Or that we have to be on some higher plane of consciousness in order to hear his voice. We don't. Listen, every believer in Jesus Christ is indwelt by the Spirit and is able to understand truth if he seeks after it with a sincere heart. That is the truth. Jesus said, and in fact you can look at it, in Luke chapter 11. This is a very important text, so maybe you should turn to it. It's parallel to Matthew chapter 7 and verses 7 through 11. But Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 13, really identifies something. I'd like to read it to you. Verse 9, Luke 11. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give, what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. See, having spiritual insight is not just the privilege of the mystical few that you read about. It's the distinct advantage of all those born of the Spirit, all those who have placed their entire trust and faith in Jesus Christ. And that is the point. That's the point. In order to understand God's wisdom, we need to have God's Spirit. Now, let's develop this a little bit. The Spirit is our resource for unraveling God's wisdom. Now, you say, well, that's pretty obvious. Well, that's not obvious to everybody. It's not obvious to all Christians, and it's definitely not obvious to the world. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to camp out here for a while. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let me read to you verses 4 to 9 to begin with. Paul says, my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages of our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, 
which have not entered, entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. Have you ever wondered why, when unbelieve, why unbelievers read the Bible and don't get it? Ever wondered that? I don't wonder that. Spiritually speaking, it's a foreign language to them. I guess a better question would be, do you ever wonder why when you, as a believer, as a professed believer, read the, <laughs> the scripture and don't get it? Why is that? Well, we'll get into that a little bit later. But as an unbeliever, the Holy Spirit, see, is the interpreter. Without him, you can forget it. You may be able to get something out of reading it, but it's not going to be very accurate. When Harvard University was founded, its motto was Veritas Christo et Ecclesiae. Truth for Christ and the church. Did you realize that? Its crest showed three books, one face down to symbolize the limitation of human knowledge. In a directive to its students, it laid out the purpose of all education. Listen to what this said. Quote, Let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main end of his life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. John 17, 3. And therefore to lay Christ in the bottom as the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning. This is Harvard University in its inception. Now in recent decades, that book that was face down has now been turned face up to represent the unlimited capacity of the human mind and the motto has been changed simply to veritas, truth. That's now what Harvard boasts as its motto and crest. The pursuit of knowledge is praiseworthy. Yes, learning can quickly lead, however, to pride and to a refusal to acknowledge any limits on our mental abilities. And when that happens, biblical truth is ignored and stifled. Now, I read this week that more than 2 billion books, 350 million magazines, and 24 billion newspapers are published every single year in America. And most of that espouses man's wisdom and philosophy. The information is so myriad that storage has become an incredible dilemma. Now, there's no question about it. Man's wisdom is astounding, but it's a gift from God. And as Christians, we cannot deny the contributions that it has made to the world. The pursuit of knowledge in higher education is commendable and important, but make no mistake about it. The wisdom of God can only be fully understood through the Spirit of God. Without His agency, we are blind. We're blind. That is why a child who has the spirit living within him or her 
can have more spiritual wisdom and insight than the most celebrated scholar who denies Christ. No matter how eloquent his words are or how impressive his degrees may be. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Simple, simple song, right? But any child that embraces that has a promise that one day he will have eternal life and all the benefits of wisdom and knowledge that someone who denies Christ and has 14 degrees will never have. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 20, where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Verse 27, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong and the base things of the world and the despised. God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are so that no man may boast before God. We are unable, no matter how intelligent or educated we are, in and of ourselves to figure out God's wisdom. It's beyond us. That's why Paul applied the Old Testament words of Isaiah to his argument in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. The NIV says it this way, However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Our human understanding, as great as it is, just doesn't have what it takes to comprehend what God has in mind. Yet, Christ has given us his spirit, believers, to unravel God's higher thoughts and his higher ways. So, couple of things about the Holy Spirit in this text. Number one, he's the revealer of God's heart. Look at verse 10. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Chuck Swindoll put it this way. Without the help or supernatural assistance, we're sunk. He must reveal or we don't receive. It's that simple. The Spirit is the one who discloses the truths of God's word to us. They are not things that we come up with on our own. Jesus identified this truth in Peter in Matthew chapter 16. Remember, Jesus asked the disciples, and specifically Peter, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, what? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus came back with what? Blessed are you, Simon, son of John. For man didn't reveal this to you. But my Father who's in heaven, the Spirit revealed it to you. He couldn't have come up with that on his own. Technically, when Paul says us here in this text, he's referring to himself and the other apostles and writers of Scripture. The Spirit revealed the truth to them and they preserved it and we now have it and understand it as the Spirit gives us insight. But by no means can we limit the revealing ministry of the Holy Spirit just to the writers of Scripture because he was sent to reveal truth to us as well. Not new truth, mind you, which the scripture knows nothing about, but new insight in accordance 
with God's truth, which enables us to effectively apply it to our lives with contemporary significance and relevance. Mark this now. The Spirit of God will not reveal a so-called truth which does not conform to the inspired words of Scripture. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit will not ever reveal a so-called truth which does not conform to the inspired words of Scripture. Won't happen. Any doctrine, teaching, decision, insight, practice, or prophecy that is not in conformity with the clear teaching of Christ and his words must be suspect. John warned us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And that is true, isn't it? The test is Jesus and his word, always is. The Holy Spirit will never lead us away from Christ, only closer to him. Amen? That's the reason that Paul prays in the book of Ephesians, quote, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know and that you may comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. That's what Paul prayed in Ephesians. That's why the Holy Spirit is so important to us. For it's he that searches all things, even the depths of God. That's what it says here in 2 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In verse 10, the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. And when Paul says he searches the depths of God, he's not referring to, to the Spirit as if the Spirit's investigating something that he doesn't know, that God is thinking. What Paul's saying here is that he, only he, the Holy Spirit, as part of the Godhead, can penetrate with accuracy the deep plans and the thoughts and the will of God for your life and for mine. Only the Spirit of God knows it. Why? Because he is God. And it takes one to know one. Really? Takes one to know one. Look at verse 11. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Don't you wish sometimes you could figure out what's going on in some people's minds? Really? Oh, yeah. What they're thinking through that blank stare. I often wish I had that capacity in the counseling office. Or when I'm trying to figure out what's bothering my wife and kids when they're not talking. Every public speaker in the world, every pastor who stands behind a pulpit on Sundays or whenever he speaks would love that ability as he or she stands before an audience. As I look out at your faces, I would love to know what's going on in your minds. Maybe I wouldn't. <laughs> but see, no matter how long I look into your faces or eyes, no matter how hard I try to decipher what's going on in your hearts, I 
can't. I can make some educated guesses. Sometimes they can be pretty accurate. But I don't know for sure what's going on in your heart. Nor can you when you look at me. Only we know what's really going on in our own hearts. Sometimes I even wonder if we know that ourselves. Behind the outward appearance, only you and I know what's going on in here. No one else knows. No one knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of a man, it says here. Who knows? You know, that point was tragically driven home in this country when some years ago, a distraught mother tearfully explained on national television the disappearance of her two young children. Remember that? She begged, she cried, she grieved, and she lied through her quivering teeth for nine days. Susan Smith duped everyone. You may recall the coverage back in 1994 when the South Carolina mother rolled her car into a lake with her two young boys strapped in a car seat and painted the scenario to the whole country to look as if they were abducted. Before the entire watching world in the midst of mass media coverage, only she knew the hideous truth that was hidden in her own heart. Who among us knew her thoughts except her own spirit within her? And I use that gripping example to point out what Paul is trying to get at here in this text. He's illustrating our human ignorance of God's deep wisdom as human beings. His inner thoughts and plans for our good. If you and I can't figure out what's going on in the depths of another human being's heart, how in the world could we possibly claim to know God's deepest desires and will? No one can know them except the Spirit of God himself. If you ever wanted a verse of Scripture to show the deity of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, this is one. Because he is God, the Spirit is God, and he is the only one that can reveal the depths of God's heart. Romans chapter 11. Just flip over there for a moment. Romans 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor? Or who was first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. You know, one of Job's visitors, if you read the book of Job, a man by the name of Zophar, asked Job this question. Can you discover the depths of God? Can you discover the limits of the Almighty? The implied answer is no. Not on your own. But because Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to everyone who believes, we can gain life-changing insight into the thoughts, intentions, and plans, and will of God. 
Let me say that again. Because Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to everyone who believes, we can gain life-changing insight into the thoughts and intentions and plans and will of God. We can. The Spirit has the inside story into the unfathomable riches of God's truth. And you and I need that wisdom to live. It's a matter of spiritual survival. My wife and I have been watching the CNN coverage. The TV's been on CNN for the last three days, solid. Watching all the videos and the pictures and stories of what's going on in Haiti. And there's just, a lot of you probably have seen the clip, but this guy that was caught under the rubble and they stuck a microphone in there and asked him, you know, what he's been doing. Because <laughs> he's talking, you could hear him talking. He says, I place my life in Jesus' hands. Whatever he wants, that's what I want. See, we need that kind of a spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Cause man to do that. What is phenomenal to me is that it is available to all of us through the one who comes alongside of us to help our counselor, the Holy Spirit. He's available. Because not only is he the revealer of God's heart, but he is also the interpreter of God's word. Look at verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. As believers, you and I have received a different spirit than the world. It's not the spirit which emanates from the world. It's the spirit which Jesus said he would send us where? From where? From God the Father. John 15, verse 26. But when the Helper comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father... He will bear witness about me. And you know what that spirit also does? He not only comes from God, but he also identifies us with God. In other words, we're his children if we have his spirit. We're part of the family. Heirs of salvation, adopted as sons and daughters, and he gave us the Holy Spirit to remind us of that fact. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Amen? I love the way the New Living Translation puts that. Let me read it to you out of that translation. For his Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we will share his treasure. For everything God gives to his son Christ is ours too. When a person becomes a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is part of that deal. We're fully equipped to do God's will and fulfill God's desire for us because we have an onboard interpreter, one who is fully able to decipher and make sense of the truth that God has revealed in this book. The Spirit 
of God revealed to the writers the deep truths which he wanted them to record for our benefit and gave them the exact words in which to explain those truths. That's called the doctrine of inspiration, if you have never heard that. And I believe that's a major part of what Paul is immediately referring to in this text. That particular ministry of the Holy Spirit is the only way Paul could have written two-thirds of the New Testament. It's the only way we could have gotten our Bible. But God also gave us that same spirit. That we might know the things freely given to us by God, it says right here. What things? Spiritual things. The spiritual things that the Word of God explains to us. The things that the world has no inclination about. Like redemption. Like the forgiveness of sins. Like justification. Our standing before God as righteous. Like salvation. Like eternal life. Godly living. Etc., etc., etc. You and I as believers can know and understand those concepts that God has freely given to us by grace because of the Spirit that has come to us from God. That means we can know how to apply the Scriptures to our lives. Can't we? Shouldn't we? We can rely on the Spirit's guidance. And direction. We don't have to tune in to Oprah to find out how to deal with child abuse or low self-esteem. We don't have to because God, God the Holy Spirit can reveal those truths to us. We don't have to read Marianne Williamson's book, A Return to Love, in order to experience true fulfillment. We don't have to have a near-death experience to know that there is indeed an afterlife. We don't need to seek out a spirit guide to understand the deeper truths of our existence. The rest of the world engages in all of that garbage for one reason and one reason alone. They are unable to negotiate the confusing maze of spiritual truth because they don't have the key. Period. And what's the key? The Holy Spirit. Without the Spirit of God, it's absolutely impossible to negotiate the maze of spiritual truth contained in this book. The Holy Spirit is the only key. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, Paul says, but the spirit who is from God in verse 12, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. See, spiritual concepts can only be understood by spiritual people, and therefore we need a spiritual interpreter. The Spirit is our only resource for unraveling God's wisdom. He's the revealer of God's heart, the interpreter of God's word, and finally, he is the illuminator of the believer's mind. That's verses 14 to 16. 
Someone has rightly said, human ears cannot hear high-frequency radio waves. Deaf men are unable to judge music contests. Blind men cannot enjoy beautiful scenery. And the unsaved are incompetent to judge spiritual things. Do you believe that? It's no surprise, is it, that someone who holds a biblical philosophy of life is criticized by society and the government at large? It should be no surprise to us that school boards run by people who admit to having no faith in God won't listen to biblical arguments about morality and ethics. It should also be no shock to any of us that even within the visible church, which is, by the way, made up of people who truly believe and people who only profess to believe, Jesus said, that there is division and antagonism and favoritism when sin is confronted biblically. The reason is explained right here in verse 14. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them. Note that word, cannot. That is a strong word in the original language. It means absolutely unable to. Because they're spiritually appraised. Now, the question is, who is the natural man? Who's the natural man? Jude identified that person quite distinctly. In Jude chapter, well, there's only one chapter, but in verses 17 through 19, the New Living Translation puts it like this, but you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ told you. That in the last times there would be scoffers who purpose, whose purpose in life is to enjoy themselves in every evil way imaginable. Now they're here, and they are the ones who are creating divisions among you. Now here's the key. They live by natural instinct because they do not have God's Spirit living in them. The person devoid of the Spirit has no capacity to accept the things of the Spirit. You know why? They seem absolutely moronic to him. To a person that does not have the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit truths seem moronic. They seem unintelligent. They seem unbelievable, nonsensical. The person who is without the Holy Spirit who lives by natural inclinations finds no need for the truths of Scripture and I might add has no taste for them. Because it says here they're foolishness to him. Because as long as a person is in love with sin, salvation will seem absolutely ridiculous to that person. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, just back up a chapter, look at verse 18. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside, God says. Verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Here's the bottom line. Okay? And it applies to, to the believer as well as the unbeliever. As long as you're operating on a natural level, and Christians can do this, by the way, the things of the Spirit will have no impact on your life. 
As long as you are operating on a natural level, the things of the Spirit will have no impact on your life. They will seem crazy to you. So if your life isn't changing, as you come in contact with this Word of God, two things are likely possible. Number one, either you're not a believer and you don't have the Spirit living in you, or... You're closing your ears to his voice and your eyes to his direction. You're not paying attention to what he's saying. Because if you're a believer, the idea of him living inside of you is to reveal and disclose, not to hide. Not to hide. We can't see... Because we're so blinded by the distraction of the natural world around us. Life in the here and now. After healing a man born blind, this is what Jesus told the Pharisees in John chapter 9, verses 39 to 41. And I'm going to read it to you from the message because it really packs a punch. Jesus said, I came into the world to bring everything into the clear light of day. Making all the distinctions clear so that those who have never seen will see. And those who have made a great pretense of seeing will be exposed as blind. Some Pharisees overheard him and said, does that mean you're calling us blind? And Jesus said, if you were really blind, you would be blameless. But since you claim to see everything so well, you're accountable for every fault and failure. These are Jesus' words. It's amazing how fast things change when the Spirit of God enters the picture, however. In verses 14 and 15 here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says that without the Spirit, people cannot understand the things of the Spirit because they're spiritually praised and discerned. Without the Spirit... A person is like that boy on the bank at the beginning of this message. He or she wants to do the right thing. I'm not saying that people in the world don't want to do the right thing. There are a lot of people out there that want to do the right thing. But they have no clue as to what that is most of the time. And if they stumble upon it, great. It shows that God's law is kind of written on their heart somewhere in their conscience. So what's happening is they want to do the right thing. They don't know what that is. And people like us are shouting at them from the top of the bank, trying to tell them to look at what they're doing. And you know what we look like to them? Idiots. Fools. But on the flip side is that when a person has the spirit, he or she can have discernment that is beyond the capacity of any human-based reasoning. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. We don't check our logical reasoning out at the door when we become a Christian because our decisions are based on spiritual revelation. No, we don't cut it off, all intellectual development, because we become spiritually minded. That has been a problem in the church for years. That is exactly why, at the beginning of Harvard University, they established that college. For higher educational purposes under the umbrella of God's incomprehensible wisdom. 
but you remove that God thing from the picture, what do you have? Something slightly less than what God intended for us. The truth that Paul's getting across is that by being spiritual, we become more than merely intellectual. More. Great for the person that has intellectual ability and the Spirit of God. Amen? We see things in their true reality. We have the ability to make not just ordinary, everyday decisions, but we can also discern things in their relationship to eternity. We can decide not just for what is good, but for what is best in the grand scheme of things. We can discern evil when all outward appearances have the semblance of good. We can decipher truth from error. We need that spiritual filtering, you know. We need that spiritual filtering system today, especially when spirituality seems to be in vogue. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 20, it says that you have an anointing from the Holy One. You don't have any need for anybody to teach you because you have that anointing. Verses 26 and 27. I'm not going to get into that today. We'll do more on that later. But the fact is, is that you have an anointing from the Holy Spirit if you're a believer in Christ. And that work of illumination is for you. It's for all believers, every single one of us. He's that inner compass inside of us that directs us toward the truth. He enables us to appraise all things and that confounds the minds of the unsaved. Just as an unbeliever cannot understand spiritual things, he cannot understand spiritual people. They don't understand why a family would sell all that they own to move to a third world country. They can't comprehend why a kid right out of school would leave his family and friends to go build a church on the other side of the world. They're mystified at how a man could forgive his only son's murderer and gain him early release from prison, eventually becoming his best friend. They don't understand that. The world is unable to comprehend how a man could forgive his wife's adultery, adopt the child conceived in that affair, and love it as if it were his own. And that's happened. Who understands that? Spirit-led people are enigmas to the world. They're beyond understanding. So we should get used to that. That's why Peter calls us aliens and strangers. Verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Wow, what a closing line. Understanding faithful Christians is as difficult for the world as trying to understand God himself. They cannot understand it. They do not have God's mind. But because Jesus sent the Spirit to reveal God's heart, interpret God's word, and illuminate the Christian's mind, you and I as believers can see the truth as Christ sees it. Because right here, Paul says, we have the mind of Christ. Isn't that a good thing? We can understand his wisdom. We can understand and discern his will. Because we have the mind of Christ. Some people profess to have the name of Christ. Others claim to have the power of Christ. Certain groups feel they have a corner on the words of Christ. Many people are associated with the body of Christ. But it is only those who have been born of the Spirit that the Bible says have the mind. 
and they can see his kingdom. Remember what John, uh, Jesus said to Nicodemus? John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man is born again, born of the Spirit, born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He can't comprehend it. He can't see it. Later on, he says you can't, you can't enter it either. But in that verse, he says you can't see it. Let me ask you a question. What do you really see? What do you really see? Sometimes God, I think, has to close our eyes to all that is around us distracting us so that we can really see. We need a helper, you and I. We need someone to unravel the message, reveal the meaning, interpret the truth. Then we can respond the right way to the world around us. And the Holy Spirit is that key. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of the person of the Holy Spirit and just the amazing benefit it is to us, Lord, that you have given him to us. And we can have him if we ask. We just read that verse, Lord, that you gave to us. But if we, if we seek you with our hearts as our Father and we ask for the good gift, you will give us the Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that no one would walk out of this room today unknowing that he is available to them. Rather, that they would walk out of this room today more deeply connected to him. Show us the way, we pray, that we might glorify and honor your name. As we pray, our Father, through the power and the interceding power of the Holy Spirit, in the character and the precious name and person of Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen.